Welcome to EU Code Week Podcasts. We bring coding, computational thinking, robotics, and innovation closer to you, your community, and your school. Hello, everyone, and welcome. As always, we're your hosts, Eugenia Casariego and Arjana Vlasic. Hello, Arjana. Hello, Eugenia. As part of the EU COVID team, we are here to talk about and also share best practices, initiatives and activities to help and support teachers with their efforts of bringing coding and programming into the classroom. As you know, COVID's goal has always been to support the teachers involved in digital education while trying our best to ensure a safe and constructive environment for all. That's why this episode will focus on cybersecurity, how to introduce it in school, how to keep pupils safe, and how to raise awareness about this topic in general. And we're also going to talk about how learning to code and being safe online go actually hand in hand. Today, our guest speaker is Jaya Balu. She is a VAS Chief Information Security Officer, working in the field of information security for over 20 years, and also a faculty member of Singularity University since 2017, where she gives regular lectures. Welcome to the Codewick Podcast, Yaya. Can you tell our listeners more about yourself and about your work in Avast? Yes, so uh, it's my pleasure to to actually uh, lead a very talented team of engineers, uh, both men and women, who are fighting every day to keep the world safe online. Uh, and they do this by, you know, different levels of expertise in information security, from setting policies and standards to actually being able to uh, implement them in both our software and our tools or within our network, but also to hunt for new threats and new types of malware so that we're really on the cutting edge of the latest attacks. Sounds like a very interesting, thriving work dynamic as well, challenging. And we are considered one of the top 100 cybersecurity influencers or officers worldwide. Can you tell us more about what made you interested in computer science? Where did the journey begin for you? Actually, to be very honest, I think it started when I was nine years old and I learned to program in BASIC. And from that moment, I was hooked. The biggest reason was I, you know, <laughs> I, I really just started with a general curiosity. I wasn't always sure of what I was doing, but it was this ability to kind of explore and try to figure things out that I think made me realize what the possibilities were and that things didn't always have to go originally intended or regimented and that you could play uh, with computers and make new things that, you know, others hadn't thought of. So just that potential for discovery and exploration, I think that's what got me hooked. I'm sure that's actually very inspiring to our listeners who most of our are teachers since they are also trying to bring computer science, computational thinking to young children. And so I think it's my hope that in a few years we'll ask one of these kids, um, how do you get started into this, uh, into this job, into this, um, 
feel and they would say the same as you hey at nine years old and ten years old i discover um this incredible world and and now talking more about you know um safety and online safety and and so what we try to do with gold week is to promote coding right and to bring coding closer to the students and so do you think that knowing how to code helps you understand and practice online safety better would you say that knowing how to cope helps you understand better the potential risks but also the power i guess of computer science but as well programming and coding more concretely? Yes, absolutely. Um, so I can see this not only in the way uh, that I think, because I understood at a very early age that all of the nifty things you saw as a result were actually originating from some process uh, that was designed by a human before. And I think one of my proudest moments is when my son, who wanted to know how something works, says, oh, why don't we look at the page source? And I thought, wait, what did you just say? And so I think, you know, this idea of understanding that Instagram or Snapchat or whatever application that they're using, that there's a human behind it who, you know, thought of a wonderful idea continuously and consistently has to create it, but also potentially has left room for mistakes. And from a security perspective or a hacker perspective, opportunity. Uh, so I, I really hope that children understand, you know, this potential and possibility that's there and all of the things that they consume on a regular basis. Think of that kind of component, almost architecture that's underlying all of these things. That's why we also believe that uh, it is important to teach coding and programming to kids. And that's what we at Code we always promote. But now you also mentioned some mistakes, risks. How can we make our children aware of the dangers of uh, the online environment? And what can teachers, but not only teachers, also parents do to support their children and young people to stay safe and safely navigate online environment, maybe also without adult supervision, because they will grow up eventually. To be honest, I think one of our biggest challenges is the fact that a lot of children are quite savvy when it comes to online use, uh, whether it's just regular uh, using their web browser or whether it's using applications. They've already understood what it means to, you know, read terms and conditions before you accept, which, by the way, still most of them are still clicking accept all the time. Or, you know, when you need to have a private account versus an open or public account on on some of these other channels. So I think kids actually get it. My big worry is actually, can teachers and parents support them enough? Do they know enough? Because when I was CISO, before I was CISO of Avast, I was CISO of KPN, and we tried to uh, teach kids how to hack because we genuinely felt if they understood the flip side, if they understand, again, the realm of possibility and opportunity, they'll do a better job of keeping themselves safe online because they understand what's possible. The biggest learning that we had when we conducted the this class, uh, which was called Hack in the Class, which we did with another affiliated organization. Um, when we did this, we realized the teachers were the ones who were like, what? Is this possible? Who themselves had never read the terms and conditions, who themselves didn't know how to set things private or public. So I think really, in order for us to be able to do things at scale, we have to start with adults, not with kids. And so what do you think is needed then for teachers to know more about these topics? Would you say it's more about training? Would you say it's about changing the way we do teacher training? Would you say it's more about school level, self-initiative? How, how would you bridge then this, this gap that you see? 
Yeah, so I think, in, you know, teachers are preparing the next generation for the future. So we need to make sure that they are prepared. And I think it starts with funding. And I think the second thing is time. We spoke to those teachers that were there for that session. And subsequently, we even made a sort of training packet for them. But again, it's really difficult to do this at scale when you're just one institution. I think the, the idea is very often they just don't have the time to add this to their curriculum if it's not already baked in. So it really needs to come at a European and national level, and it needs to be ubiquitously applied. Because if we want to look at European aspirations for the next you know, 50 years, we're talking about revolutions in quantum, for example, or in other areas of STEM and artificial intelligence being like the catalyst to drive some of this ability to, to participate in the future. So I think if we don't equip our teachers with the time and the funding, we are lost. I think those are good points indeed. And, and some food for thought, um, nothing we can breach in code with, but some food for thought as well to, uh, to advocate for, for both of those. And now talking more about the teachers, how do you think teachers can empower their students to make their own cybersecurity um, decisions? And what are some practices like they can already get started at school level just with their, their knowledge? Yeah, so I think the, the biggest thing is to try to figure out not to have a separate computing class or a separate coding class, but how to best integrate that into other areas. I think the easiest way to do this, and again, I've given this a bit of thought because we tried to do this at my former job, and I'm not saying that it will be easy from a financial perspective or from an applicative perspective to try to get this in a uniform level in all schools everywhere. But what would be wonderful is if teachers who taught languages could actually demonstrate that language ability and allow translation capability, etc. over the internet. If they taught math, that they taught coding when they taught initial math, you know, that they actually combined this and tried to create an overlay of this capability by making everything much more online available. And let's be honest, I think one of the biggest revolutions we've seen with our children and accessibility has been uh, what we've gone through in the last two years with COVID. You know, more kids have had access to computers as part of their daily regimen than ever before. And it's possibly caused the greatest amount of change. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we used some of that time that we've dedicated to, you know, getting them online in the first place, to actually keeping them in a safe haven where they can actually learn and experiment and explore. And, you know, I think starting with like an, a mini introduction to Python or Go, or I think that would just be so enriching. Indeed, it would mean a lot for students to see that this is not a separate thing that they need to do, but to learn, but it is something that is incorporated in every single subject they learn at school because this is how life works. It's not about just biology or mathematics, but it's everything together. So now we're talking about more about teaching practices. Um, we've also mentioned the pandemic and we've also mentioned the fact that kids have to take the computer home. And it's an opportunity, as you just said, but it also comes with its um, dangers. So in, in one of your blog posts, you talk about risk assessment. You mentioned how to save your work remotely. How can, can we translate those lessons to remote teaching and learning? 
I think so. The first thing is, let's be honest, right now, uh, a lot of kids are exposed to everything online. There are no parental controls. There are no controls, period. There's no roadblocks for them to access any other kind of information. However, what I would argue is that we would start initially by protecting them from the most prevalent dangers by just educating them, making them aware. Again, kids are pretty savvy. I find them very often very well aware that there are predators in the online world, just like there are in the real world. And as long as we let them know which steps or what agency they have in order to protect themselves, I think that's the biggest service we can do for them. Not to underestimate their intelligence, but merely to give them the additional knowledge and resources in order to be able to act on it. So first thing is letting them know here are the things that you can do. Have you changed these settings or have you thought about this if you're using Instagram, etc.? And how to like some of, read some of this stuff. Also, like really simple tooling like VPN and antivirus. And again, anyone use any VPN or antivirus as long as it's pretty good. You know, it's not about doing anything more than taking the basic measures to have a good sense of security. That begins with those kinds of tools, but also with good behavior, like making sure all of your stuff is up to date. You know, even if you don't have the most uh, recent hardware, uh, just trying to make sure your software levels are up to date and setting them to auto patching, that would be a wonderful step forward for uh, a lot of communities. And I think that's where it starts. And I think if, you know, teachers and schools have the resources to create online platforms, and very often that's not the case. Very often we're talking about kids dialing in over Zoom and just, you know, it's a direct connection rather than a separate platform. But if they have those resources, I think taking steps there on the platform to allow, not just from a security perspective, things to be consumed, but also looking at, you know, how do students work? Uh, where are the po potentials to give them extra curricular information on security, et cetera? Those would be really good things. So it's about empowering the students. Yes, absolutely. Uh, empowering, yes, and also making them aware of all the threats. And uh, speaking of threats, uh, Jia, can you tell us please about uh, something about the biggest cybersecurity threats right now and how would they possibly affect the educational sector? What we see very often is the things that we would be telling kids and everyone, you know, make sure your stuff is up to date. What we're seeing is that educational systems and institutions don't always have that. So we've been seeing a lot of malware and ransomware directed towards universities and other higher education places where there is a lot of infrastructure, computing infrastructure, but that's not always maintained to the levels it should be to be impervious to attack. There have been universities that have paid ransomware amounts. We see a lot of times, and this is a bit unfortunate, but we do see it a lot. We see a lot of high schools that surprisingly during exam week are being DDoSed. And a DDoS, as you know, is a distributed denial of service attack. And I have a hunch that there's some very motivated students who are motivated to conduct a distributed denial of service attack against their school, but not necessarily to take their exams. It's a funny coincidence that it always happens during exam week. <laughs> so that's, again, a bit the dangers of teaching them how to hack, I suppose. <laughs> Still useful, but you never know. What resources, platforms, or information places would you recommend to our listeners to stay informed about these dangers, to stay aware of these kind of issues that, that you've just mentioned? 
Yeah, so there are so many good places online to read about, you know, the newest threats or attacks. But I would say that it starts with really the basics. So using some common resources, we have a primer online. There's a lot of security primers online that tell you what are the simple steps you can take to protect your security when you're surfing. But it starts with just using very simple tooling. I, I believe very strongly in not shifting the burden to users to do all of their security but we should shift it to the makers of hardware and software. They should be providing good, strong, secure tooling and, and resources. So let's start there. Let's start by using a good browser, a good antivirus, a good VPN. If we do those things on top of whatever else we're using and we keep our stuff up to date, it's the Pareto principle, you know, a little bit of effort for a lot of impact. And how can we raise public's awareness about cybersecurity? For example, people who don't use technology on a daily basis and are not as familiar with technology or computer science. So I would love to see something uh, similar to the Code Week. Maybe this time we need a security gear, <laughs> frankly, to get the job done. But uh, we need some time to devote to upping our level if you will, uh, in terms of information security practice and good hygiene. What I'm also inspired by is in the Netherlands where I live, uh, Jim Stolze designed a, a sort of national tool for getting the awareness around artificial intelligence up. So he started a national AI program and it starts with a simple app. And, you know, you can, as any level, gain some basic to advanced learning on AI. You know, it starts there. And I really would love to see something similar to that from an EU perspective so that we really had something at the national and regional and European level that was actually helping get awareness to a, a level higher than it currently is. Thank you so much. I'm sure that would be great. As you mentioned, we at Goldwick and the uh, big community of teachers, we do a lot to help raise awareness about all the dangers and how to behave safely and responsibly online. Jaya, could you perhaps give us some examples of some initiatives uh, that we can start educating students about cybersecurity? So I feel like there's a, a lot of programs actually online if we just looked but you know i think it starts with first of all teaching uh, kids how to be trusting but always being able to have the position to verify their trust. So we don't want to create a generation of completely paranoid people who are afraid to use the benefits of technology. That is not what we're trying to achieve. But I think it's if they see something suspicious, you know, what kinds of things can they do to uh, know that this is a legitimate resource or a legitimate web? Or, you know, you still see a lot of adults falling for scams that are, if you, you know, re-examine them. They are clearly too good to be true. Free bitcoins from Elon Musk or other types of things. And we just want to, I think what we should be able to do is show children how to examine the verifiability of certain claims. And if we can teach them how to do that, we can equip them for multiple situations that they'll encounter online, from fake apps to websites to phishing mails, etc. Because that is really the biggest thing. And listeners, now that we're touching the topic of clickbait and fake news, I would like to recommend you the learning bit of media literacy that was published on the Code Week website, where you can get some tips on how to integrate this in your classroom practice. But 
Now, talking about these very concrete things of what we can do at school level, you've mentioned that information sharing and collaboration is a very important cybersecurity tool. So, for example, now in the concrete case you've mentioned, it would be about sharing these examples, just simply that of what has been spotted by the kids, for example. And so, do you think there is a, this is something that we can implement at the school level, these information sharing practices? I think that's a wonderful idea. And I don't know why we don't have a, a sort of viral TikTok account that is, you know, really talking about, hey, guys, this is what you should know from, you know, and I think actually recruiting some of these influencers to do this as a sort of public service announcement for keeping kids safe online. I'll make it as authentic as possible so that it's really connected with real life and something that ma really matters to them. Let's end this episode with a more personal question. As an influential woman in big tech, what advice would you give to young girls who want to study programming and possibly have a successful career in a similar domain as yours? I think the first thing is, of course, follow your dreams. And you need to dream big, but you actually need to think even bigger. I think very often women tend to, you know, have beautiful dreams. But then when it actually comes to trying to put them, there, there was always blockades that we engineer in order to say, no, 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 I can't apply for that job because I'm not fully qualified on every single minute detail that they're requiring. You know, I won't even apply. I won't even try. And very often we tend to put roadblocks on ourselves on all the reasons why not instead of exploring the reasons why. And let me be very honest, I do the exact same thing. So it's not like I have... <laughs> found a way out of this. I just know that I do it. And I think being conscious of the roadblocks that you put in front of yourself is the first step into potentially eliminating them. Um, so I would say, and I love that, you know, dream big, but think even bigger. And I think that's a very good closing statement for this episode. Yeah, yeah. So just to kind of wrap it up today, we've talked, of course, about cybersecurity. We've talked about how to bring it to the schools, how um, in a way we need to be more aware of it and to make our kids more aware of it. We've talked about different practices that can be implemented at the school level, how it's important to show them. Also, the flip side, as you were mentioning, Jaya, of what's um, cybersecurity and let, allow them to become hackers. We've talked about information sharing practices and how important it is for teachers to become aware of these issues and to just inform themselves. And we've also touched the topic, of course, of risk and, and the threats that's out there. So, um, Ariana, what are some of your highlights of uh, this episode today? I found it really, really very important, Jaya, when you mentioned that it is important to train teachers. How can we expect them to teach the kids if they aren't trained uh, in the same topics? So I would say teach the, the teachers, train them so that they can share their expertise with the kids. Dream big, think bigger is simply amazing. Thank you, Jaya. And before we close the episode, Jaya, uh, is there something else you would like to tell our listeners? Um, Oh, final statement. I would like to thank you both, Eugenia and Arjuna, for having me here. It was a genuine pleasure. Jaya, it's been great having you here. Thank you. And I'm sure our listeners now feel more empowered and more knowledgeable on the topic of cybersecurity. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this COVID podcast episode and you are now in possession of new tools and ideas on how to make uh, your online experience safer and more rewarding. And don't forget, listeners, to tune in next week for a new episode of the COVID podcast, uh, where new insights into the world of coding and technology will be revealed with Ariana and myself. So see you in the next episode and goodbye. Goodbye.